You want to go out there. You want to work. You're going to show up every day. You want to make money. You have, want to have some fun doing it. You want to have some pride at the end of the day of, of putting in a hard day's work. We're, we're an industry for you. I can look now and you see the changing LA landscape and go, hey, our company had a part in that. We're changing. We're building LA. We're building the skyline. I'm not here for the glory, for the praise. I, I'm here to get get crap done. And that takes a lot of people to do it. <laughs> I love that sound. <laughs> it's the best. It's literally music. Never in a million years did I think I'd be selling multi-million dollar concrete packages for building terminals at LAX or high-rise towers or hospital towers. That's not your average concrete rep. An advocate for recruitment to the trades, Janine Oliver. Today, Janine joins me to talk about being a third-generation concreter and the path she's taken to get to where she is today. While Janine has her nine to five, she can't help but be on site by providing logistical support and rallying the crew. And if you're joining us for the first time, my name is Mike Kenoki and I'm a general contractor in Fairbanks, Alaska. While we're all experts at how we build where we live, the business relationships and experiences of business people and tradespeople are universal. Here's where we explore the lives, practices, and values of everyone in the construction industry. Now broadcast in over 70 countries worldwide, please leave us a review and tell us where you're reviewing from. I know reviews are limited to iTunes, but you can rate us on Spotify as well. But that's enough for me. Now let's hear from the Concrete Diva about building the Los Angeles skyline. Growing up, getting older, coming into my teenage years, my formative years, the only job options that I saw for me that were being modeled for me as a female were in the office. I learned very quickly that is not what I wanted. It did not bring me joy. Not being the poster child for the company for women in construction, but just saying like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we necessarily have to spotlight it. I, we just want to have some equity. Um, it's not the, I didn't go to college, so I'm going to be digging a ditch for the rest of my life. It's not all those negative stereotypes and those connotations that have been around for years mm-hmm. and decades. You know, I grew up in the, um, in the decades of, you know, pushing college. That's the only way that you are going to succeed in life is if you went to college and you got a college degree, I even felt prey to that. So with our ambassador program and our classroom talks program, those are two of the ways that we're really trying to get out in the community and show that, that these opportunities exist. I'm visually out there seeing things that are happening and I'm oftentimes calling my dispatch and telling them what's going on. Hey, um, we've got this situation. It's gonna slow things down, speed things up. We've got a line of trucks. It's for this reason. Working with a lot of different uh, people, a lot of different uh, emotions, a lot of different personalities, sometimes, Construction job sites are like preschool. <laughs> that's <laughs> mine. That's not yours. You took my tool, my toy, and you know, and I'm in charge and I'm the boss. And it's uh, it, it's navigating that that whole space. And can we all get along and play nice? When people call you asking for cement, <laughs> <laughs> I'll put you through to our cement division. <laughs>
All right, everybody, welcome back to the Contracting Handbook Podcast. My next guest gets up before all of you, even all you hardcore contractors that think you're up first. How do I know? Well, I see her on social media, and it's often a picture with a time signature of 3.17 a.m. or something like that. It's nighttime in L.A., but it's coming to life where she is. There's going to be an epic concrete pour, and then the pictures show endless lines of concrete rigs. But why do I know that Janine got it first? This is what really got me. It wasn't the 8,500-yard pour. It was that she went and got food for everyone before everyone got going. So there's stuff for the crew to eat. It's obvious she cares about the crew, getting stuff done, but also the future of the trades as indicated by her partnership in the crew collab. Let me welcome third-generation concreter, self-described not your average concrete rep, the concrete diva herself. It's the not average Gina Oliver. <laughs> Good wow, morning, Janine. That was quite an intro. Thank you. So how's your Monday going? Uh, it's good. I'm I'm traveling right now. Actually, mm. I'm uh, I'm currently in Nevada. The company I work for, Cal Portland, we had a community outreach event over the weekend, so I came up here to help with that, and I'll be heading back down into LA traffic after mm. we wrap up today. So mo- Monday, being Monday morning though, is your phone just blowing up or or what? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everything, you know, you talked about on Friday afternoon, everybody's like circling back. Wait, what, what did we confirm about right. in a couple of days? Can I touch on that with you one more time today? Sure. No problem. But yeah. What is a concrete rep and why are you not your everyday concrete rep? So my official sales title is senior ready mix sales representative. Bare bones, I sell ready mix concrete to contractors. I don't... I think there's a negative connotation a lot of times around salespeople. And, you know, it's kind of that old stereotype of the the used car salesman. They're a little bit shady, a little bit slimy, a little bit crazy. Mm. I think a lot of times in the construction industry, sales reps get a bad rap, you know, for being the blue shirt, khaki pants. They're always out having lunch and golfing and there's nothing else that they really do. Uh, that's not me. <laughs> That's not any person that I aspire to be that um, not knocking on those who that works for them, but that doesn't work for me. And a few years ago when, uh, you know, the world changed due to that virus, I had to change the way that I did business. I could not enter people's offices anymore. Previously, I used to speak a lot with estimators, project managers who were bidding their jobs, getting concrete pricing. I couldn't visit them at work anymore. Offices were shut down. People were working remote. I found the best way to be in contact with people was face-to-face, six feet apart, of course, at that time, Mm -hmm. Um, but on the job. And I really shifted the way that I did things, and I kept hearing Things like you are not like any other salesperson I have ever met. I don't know any other salesperson who comes out to the concrete floors like like you do, who comes out in the middle of the night, who stays here for a majority of the day to ensure that things go well for us. So I kind of just took that and ran with it, but I'm not your average sales rep, especially not in terms of concrete. 
Also, again, we're in a male-dominated field. I'm female, one of the 10% who stand out, stick out like a sore thumb. We're a unicorn oftentimes on the job site. So I figured, why not just embrace it and, and own it? I'm, I'm not average. <laughs> and that's obvious to me uh, from, from your presence on social media that you're out there. Yeah, and, you're, I, and you don't you don't have to be. No, I enjoy it. I yeah. I really enjoy that aspect mm. of the job. For me, it's uh it's seeing the fruits of my labor. You know, it's all the time that it took in the back end. A lot of people don't realize when you're selling ready mix concrete, sometimes to the volumes that we do for some of these very large high-rise structural um, civil projects that we do here in LA. Sometimes that starts 18 months in advance, two years in advance, that you get that first opportunity to, to look at the specifications and the requirements for the job. And it's an 18-month process sometimes. So to be out there on the job, it's like, oh, man, all this work that I've put in for six months, 10 months, a, a year, it's finally happening and, and it's just really cool to be out there and see everything being constructed literally from the ground up. We're one of you know, the first structural trades to be out there and literally setting the foundation for this project and watching it come to life over the course of weeks and months. I, I just, I love that part of, of my job. I love it. It's very cool. As a small, I'm pretty small time, uh, you know, residential general contractor. And I see these pores and it is epic stuff. And, and <laughs> Some of them really and, are. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be really neat to be there and see that stuff. Now you are third generation concreter. Mm -hmm. um, and you worked for your dad and you, you kind of left, you know, you were a barista, you waited tables. Mm -hmm. Did some accounting, but 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 ended up coming back to your dad. And why is that? So my family history, my grandfather owned and operated a ready mix business starting in the 50s. So my dad grew up literally in the backyard on the loader, pushing material into the plant. He's from a family of eight. All of the siblings were involved in the ready mix business at some point in some way. Uh, my father owned, opened his ready mix business in 85, along with his sister. And so for me, I was about, I was, I was young, I was a young kid and I, you know, you know women don't like to give away their age. So, <laughs> but I was a young kid. I remember being there in the yard with my dad right before it opened and thinking it was the biggest place I'd ever seen in my life. And, you know, he told me I would have an opportunity to work there one day if I wanted it. I started going to work with him probably in my teens, uh, my preteens around 11. I remember sitting at the batch console and him telling me which buttons to push and when and running tickets to the guys, picking up trash around the yard. Um, but for me, growing up, getting older, coming into my teenage years, my formative years, the only job options that I saw for me that were being modeled for me as a female were in the office. I learned very quickly that is not what I wanted. <laughs> um, my dad gave me a job as an office clerk there part-time while I was in college. And I, I understand that I'm very privileged to have that opportunity. 
um, being made available to me, but it did not bring me joy, not whatsoever. I did not enjoy it. I worked there for a period of time. This is it. I'm out. I got to go try something different. So like you said, over, over a course of, of years, I've tried all sorts of different things from waiting tables to um, working at a preschool. I thought I wanted to be a school teacher. That's what I was going to school for. Um, I taught preschool for a few years. I was a barista, like you said, and I kind of just kept finding my way back to construction, walked back to my, back to ReadyMix. Um, my dad would say, hey, you know, I think it's time that you come back and he'd tweak my job description, give me something different. And, it wasn't until finally, uh, after a contract job I had been working, they were doing closeout, and right then the industry was in the height in the early aughts. And uh, my dad and I sat down and had a very serious and very frank conversation about uh, if I were to come back, what my role would be and, and how and where. And I said, I really like the dispatch side. I like dispatch, I like operations. It's the nerve center of the business. It's fast paced, it's always changing. I'm talking to people. Like, can we just find a spot for me there? And so I, I, that's when I finally dug my heels in and made ReadyMix a career choice and uh, worked with him for a few years. He, he mentored me and trained me and sent me through a lot of uh, industry specific certification courses as well and ended up selling the business. I went to work for the entity that, that purchased him and was there for three years. And then uh, after that, this opportunity came available and uh, I've been at my current employer for eight and a half years now. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been interesting, some twists and some turns, some unexpectedness, but overall it's been good. And so having that experience as a dispatcher and a teacher, mm -hmm. you're kind of like, you're kind of like taking care of the crew. You, mm -hmm. you, you, you got, it's in you. It's, it's yeah. internal for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, especially too, when mm -hmm. I am on job sites on those days, having that experience, having worked in dispatch, it's, it's, again, you can see both sides of the coin. You know, I've seen it from internally. So I understand, you know, kind of what's happening maybe what dispatch is seeing when they're looking at things, you know, they're looking at uh, how the trucking is going and they're just looking at the data that's coming in. I'm visually out there seeing things that are happening and I'm oftentimes calling my dispatch and telling them what's going on. Hey, um, we've got this situation. It's going to slow things down, speed things up. We've got a line of trucks. It's for this reason. I try to provide communication and feedback whenever I can. And yes, my experience as a teacher, um, especially for little preschoolers, <laughs> um, I like to joke. <laughs> and I, I think there's maybe a little bit of truth to this that, you know, working, working with a lot of different uh, people, a lot of different uh, emotions, a lot of different personalities, sometimes construction job sites are like preschool. <laughs> that's mine. That's not yours. You took my tool, my toy and, you know, and I'm in charge and I'm the boss and it's, uh, it, it's navigating that, that whole space. And can we all get along and play nice here? And, uh, yeah, it's, 
Uh, I think that past experience will always come back around for your benefit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree with that hundred percent. I've, I've been on a few different career paths myself and, and I draw from that experience mm -hmm. to navigate. Yeah. The ego stroking and the, and the, exactly. Whatever, whatever <laughs> needs to happen. There's a lot of growing up that I had to do too, from a kid who, you know, for a lot of people who think was silver spooned and, uh, you know, I had to grow up too, uh, once I was out of the safety of working for my family and learning what it's like to not have that safety net. That was, that was a lot of, a lot of growing up for me mm. in those few years. An eye opener for sure. Definitely. So you grew up with women in construction and, and so that stigma or perception of women in construction is, is different for you a little mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. um, but women aren't supported going into the trades and very much more so now, of course. Yes. Uh, but that barrier, as far as I'm guessing from my office in Alaska, was kind of removed or not present for you at the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, uh, the only females that I knew working in ReadyMix were working on the admin side. My dad did have one female driver and she was great. Oh, she was fantastic. Um, then she got pregnant. She didn't come mm. back. And, you know, it was unfortunate. We have two female drivers. I think, I think there's a third in training right now, actually. And it's the first time in the eight and a half years I've been with this company that we've had female drivers and I've, tried to, you know, talk to them and say, Hey, if you need a, if you need a female advocate here, if you need another female voice, someone just to talk to, if you have a situation and you want to bounce something off of another female working in this company, I know I'm not a driver. I know I'm not in the same role and position, but I'm here for you. And please don't, please don't, don't hesitate to, to reach out and, you know, let, let's figure this out. And, and earlier you mentioned that you're part of the 10%, a unicorn, mm -hmm. you know, this is very true. What can we, what's, how are we going to bring more women into the trades? I think a big part of it is representation. And that's one of the reasons that I try to stay active on my Instagram account is if you can't see mm -hmm. someone doing it, if someone who looks like you you don't think it's possible for someone like you, someone who looks like you, someone who is brought up like you, someone who has the education or lack thereof that you do. Representation matters. I still don't see very many women in concrete and ready mix. And so I, I think more than anything, it's, it's putting ourselves out there and not being the poster child for the company for women in construction, but just saying like, yeah, I'm, I do that. You can do it. I, mm -hmm. I don't think we necessarily have to spotlight it. I, I think there's a lot of women who, who don't want that. We don't want the extra attention. We don't want to be the poster child during women in construction. We, we just want to have some equity, just allow us to go out there and do our jobs. And if we can, can do it we can show another woman that she can do it and then maybe in doing so we'll get more people more women attracted to the various roles that are available in construction i can see that you don't want a spotlight it does it it it, it detracts from it it diminishes the mm -hmm. the space i think yeah in some way 
Mm-hmm. I think so. I know so many women who are like, we just want to go out there and do our jobs. And if we want to talk about it and share about it, let us do it. Now, I know that you don't want to put the spotlight on that specifically. You don't want to be the poster child. That totally right. makes sense. But you have helped found mm-hmm. a group to get more people into trades, the crew yes. collaborative. Correct. How is that supporting women specifically? Well, for years, we've been hearing about skilled labor shortages. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think, and, and it's hitting people hard right now. 100%. So if there's, you're looking at an industry that's 90% male dominated, 10% or less are women. You break that down even further. There's probably really about only three to 5% representative actually hands-on doing labor in the field, working a trade. So again, still the majority of women that are still working in construction still are in administrative, mm. marketing, HR, um, some in safety, but they're not necessarily hands-on laborers, skilled trades women. Mm-hmm. We're trying to fill all these positions. If 50% of the population is female, what can we do to attract that 50% to the trades? But again, you're talking about 50% of the population being attracted to a three to 5% margin. So how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you attract? And again, I think the biggest one is with Crew Collaborative, one of our biggest missions is to put the industry out there as a viable option. It's not a second place. It's not a backup plan. Um, it's not the, I didn't go to college, so I'm going to be digging a ditch for the rest of my life. It's not all those negative stereotypes and those connotations that have been around for years Mm -hmm. and decades. You know, I grew up in the, um, in the decades of, you know, pushing college. That's the only way that you were going to succeed in life is if you went to college and got a college degree, I even felt prey to that. I, someone whose family worked in construction, I even look at the, um, private school that I went to which is, has major funding from a lot of business owners who have made their success in the construction industry. And yet that private school still very much pushes the college track. And I find that so ironic that your school is being funded by people who own and operate construction businesses and you're turning your nose down to that industry and all of the jobs and positions and career roles that are available there. And with crew, it's saying, hey, you want to be a pipe fitter? Awesome. Let's talk about it. What does it take to be a pipe fitter? You want to do finished carpentry? Cool. Let's talk about it. Let's find you someone that that you can see doing that job. You want to do HR specifically for construction? Cool. We'll put you in touch with someone. There's labor law. There's construction law. There's construction financing. There's a wide vast of opportunities in construction that range from being in the field, hands-on, all the way up to being in the office. And so for us, it's putting those opportunities out there, finding people who are successful at that, who have a passion for bringing another person along to mentor someone and to just put all of that out there. 
So with our ambassador program and our classroom talks program, those are two of the ways that we're really trying to get out in the community and show that, that these opportunities exist. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, doesn't matter if you're short or tall, doesn't matter, matter what race or ethnicity you are. If you have a desire to work, you, you wanna work, you wanna go out there, you wanna work, you're gonna show up every day, you wanna make money, you have, wanna have some fun doing it, you wanna have some pride at the end of the day of, of putting in a hard day's work, we're, we're an industry for you and we wanna, we wanna help you make it, make it in our industry. We wanna attract you to it and we wanna find out what it's gonna to take to make you stay and yeah, really push the needle there. Well, that's great. It's such a vital um, issue right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we are so shorthanded. And I do see having, uh, uh, drawing more women to the field makes a lot of sense if we're, mm -hmm. we're only at 10% right now. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I really do. I, I mean, you look at someone like me, even again, who I was brought up let's say on the admin side more. I don't know how to finish concrete. I know how to batch it. I know how to create a mixed, I know the basics of creating a mixed design. Um, I can ship it to you all day long. I can talk to you about the, the technical aspects of, of the mix to make sure it's gonna do what you need it to do. But don't put a trowel or a float in my hand. I don't know that aspect of the business. I wasn't trained in it. Right. You are, you're the craftsman at it. And I love watching you work because it is magic watching a place and finish crew, put just mold concrete into what it is. It is, it's magic. And I'm not going to sit back and say that I'm any better of a person or have any better, you know, than you are because we have different roles. Like we're all, we're all, it takes all of us to build a successful construction project. It does. It's also neat to know like which part of it you want to be mm -hmm. and not, not be the jack of all concrete, you know, yeah. just knowing, knowing where you want to be in that, in that space. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Try to be an because, advocate out there for my drivers as well. You know, that's a, people often say like, what is it that you actually do when you're on a job site? And the joke is stand around and look pretty, stand around and talk <laughs> to people, uh, you know, pay for the food. You know, those are, those are the jokes. Um, and there's truth to that, but I'm checking ingress and egress for the drivers, make sure it's safe for them to get in and out of the job that they're going to stage properly. I'm talking to the pump operators and the oilers and, you know, how's the mix, what's going on? What do you see? What do you, what do you feel? Um, you know, how's the pump responding to it? I'm talking to the foreman. I'm talking to the super. I'm talking to the place and finish crew when they have five seconds. Um, and I'm trying to get a lot of feedback and building those relationships too. You get a lot of information about what's going on with that specific project, what other jobs their company might be bidding or looking at. Um, and yeah, there's some gossip too. And you, you hear how your competitors are doing on that job that you didn't get. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's an opportunity to, like I said, also just be there and see the job come to life but I, tr I try my best to provide as much of a valuable service as I can in the role and the function that I have. 
Um, and yeah, just, I just try and make sure it's a successful day for everybody, whatever that looks like. And if that's me being there for an hour or it's me being there for a 13 hour placement, it's, it, it depends on the day. It depends on the job. Um, I've had some where it's, I'm hopping around between three different sites for the day. And that's, it's stressful for me going back and forth through LA traffic, but it's important that I, that I'm there and that I show up. That's phenomenal because people know you're going to be there too. Mm -hmm. They, 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 they come to expect it and it helps drive people. Yeah. I wish I could clone myself some days. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got, I got messages this morning from some, you know, some of the pump operators. Hey, are you coming by the job today? I'm like, sorry, no, I'm in Nevada. (laughs) Mm. I won't, I won't be that one today. Oh man, we thought we were going to see you here. And I'm like, Hey, you're there. Everything's going to go great. You know, I I have total, I have total faith that everything, but you know, I'm only a phone call or a direct message or a snap away. And that that's fine. So what, what is, what's good in the concrete world today? What's good. Um, good is there's a lot of jobs available. (laughs) We desperately need mixer drivers. Um, if you like to drive, uh, we, we need you. Um, yeah, we desperately need mixer drivers. There's a lot of opportunities still, uh, here. And I say here, but I'm in Nevada right now, but, um, LA specifically, there's a lot of, lot of work. We have the 2028 Olympics coming up. So the city area county of LA has a lot of projects that are going to be going on. Um, LAX continually is doing work to improve and be bigger and better and more functional. So we see a lot of work still happening there. Um, Rapid Transit uh, LA is trying to finally, I think, kind of catch up with a lot of other cities in terms of mass transit. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, I just think concrete too, it's just such an amazing product. It's very innovative. Um, It's very technical. A lot of people don't realize it. You know, yeah, you have your four, your four basic components, your water, your cement, your fine aggregate, your sand, and your coarse aggregate, your gravel. Um, But the things that you can do with admixtures to change the consistency of the concrete it's just absolutely incredible. So there's a lot of uh, lot of technical that goes into it. There's a lot of opportunity there as people continue to advance on that side of the business. Um, yeah, I just, and concrete is artistry too. There's, there's a lot of opportunity for people who are creative to join a um, architectural concrete firm who does a lot of site and decorative. Mm-hmm. And some of the things those contractors can do too. Um, in terms of color or your hand seeding it with different, uh, different aggregates, uh, glass, um, shells, and the finishes that you can get there. So there, there's everything in concrete from, you know, literally building the foundation to, you know, homeowners, like you provided that driveway. How many people, you know, can you drive past the neighborhood and go, you know what, I think, I think we delivered concrete in here, like a couple of years. Yep. That's the house. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Look at, yeah. Oh, hey, you just provided that family a functional driveway that you helped them create a better backyard for their family to enjoy, for people to come over and spend time together. And I think 
having that pride in what we do, it's something that's not often talked about and it needs to be, needs to be pushed more. Absolutely. One of the things I love most about being in the trades is that I just was able to be a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I've always been a problem solver. I just didn't know, you know, it took a while to connect the dots yeah. that I need to be on my own doing that. But yeah, but, but that pride that comes along with that is incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I see that meme float around all the time. Every it's the, with Leo DiCaprio and it's, you know, every construction worker, I built that house, and, mm. but it's so true. And I look around, I, I mean, my family business that I grew up working in, we mainly did residential. We did patios, backyards, driveways, mm, okay. um, small um, tenant improvements. Um, you know, it wasn't any, it wasn't the big time stuff I'm doing now. I never in a million years thought this would be what I'm doing now. Never in a million years did I think I'd be selling multi-million dollar concrete packages for building terminals at LAX or high-rise towers or hospital towers. But I can look now and you see the changing LA landscape and go, hey, our company had a part in that. We're changing, we're building LA, we're building the skyline, we're, we're making it more functional for people. You fly in and out of LAX airport, I don't know a part of that airport that hasn't been touched by us. And it's, it's, it's very cool. It's very, yeah, very cool. it is. I love watching the, the stuff you guys are doing. It's, Thank it's you. mind blowing for me because it's, the scale is incredible. Well, and the number of bodies, the number of bodies that need to be there. Yeah. And that stuff is setting up. Credit goes to the contractors because they're the ones doing the work and the place and finish crew, but we're delivering the product to make it happen. And so I want to make sure that that goes smoothly. Tell me about when people call you asking for cement. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put you through to our cement division. <laughs> Wait, that's not you? No. <laughs> Well, I need to do my driveway. Oh, so you need concrete. Okay, cool. We can talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've known the difference since I was four. Uh, it still irks me to this day that uh, as a whole, our industry organizations have not done better education on that. So I will educate whenever and wherever and however I can, which is one of the reasons I participated in this community event over the weekend. Um, we had a booth here at the harvest festival in Vegas and it was just an opportunity. We were in the kids zone very specifically. So Mm. draw the families in by having a place for their kids to sit and do crafts and have them opportunity to ask us what's Cal Portland and what do you do? And, oh, I didn't know there was a difference between concrete and cement and, um, yeah, a lot of that. Cool. What, uh, Who's like your toughest client? My toughest? You don't have to name names, but oh. like situation. I'm like, you want names? What? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, everybody's always right. Everybody's always been doing this for 30 years. Mm. And so therefore they know the way that it should be done. And who am I? Some, you know, young blonde female coming in to talk about a different way to do things. Um, those are frustrating for me, uh, is the know-it-alls, the know-it-alls are very frustrating. Um, there is some misogyny, misogyny that happens. Mm. There are some people who just do not 
take these seriously. Um, they can't, they can't wrap their, their head around it. They have their own internal biases that they can't get over. And um, for me, I've learned to just step away from those, to hand those accounts off to one of my male colleagues, because at the end of the day, it's the success of the business, not the success of the individual. And um, I'm very lucky in the way that I have not had a lot of harassment happening. Um, I'm, I'm not often harassed. People ask me quite often, like, man, you must have guys hitting on you left and right. You, the things that you must hear, the way that you must be treated. And I don't. And I think it's, um, it's a way that you carry yourself. And when that first instance does come up, you shut it down very swiftly. Hey, mm -hmm. I don't appreciate that. That made me really uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about that again, or I don't want to go there or just whatever you have to do or say, or, Hey, I'm going to walk away from this conversation right now because it's not appropriate. And we can talk at another time. Um, I had a one contractor a couple of years ago who thought he was being very funny. And when he found out that I had been a cheerleader in high school and college, he said that he wanted me to dress up in a cheerleading uniform like the Hey Mickey videos, and he would play that song and I could escort the trucks in for the beginning of his Matt Foundation tour. Mm. And he just thought that was Classic. absolutely hilarious. And, Classic. you know, I just kind of looked at him and said, well, yeah, that was actually, you know, if they made PPE like that, maybe I would. Too bad you didn't know me back in my college days. You know, but I'm here to do a job now, so thanks you know, what, what do you say? I don't, I don't want to anger him or insult him, but at the same time, I need him to know that it's not, that's not okay. That's a tough, tough uh, situation to navigate for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thankfully it doesn't happen often, <laughs> but there's always those few that you remember and they will stick with you. Yeah. Some people just live in the seventies still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being passed over, um, don't even get a seat at the table for negotiations, um, going above you, you know, calling the sales manager or calling one of my male colleagues. Um, it happens. It, and it's, for me, it's working with my male colleagues so that we all kind of are in agreement how we handle it. And in a way that makes everybody feel comfortable. And that's fine. Again, I, I'm very much a team player. I'm not, I know that it, it takes an army of many, you know, not, not just one person. So I'm not here for the glory, for the praise. I, I'm here to get, get crap done. And that takes a lot of people to do it. So let's all figure out a way to play nice in the sandbox and, and do this. What's the most challenging day you've had? The most there's, challenging? Yeah, there's so much mud being poured. <laughs> uh, the most challenging are the ones that go from day to night today, <laughs> where I, ha I have a daytime job. Sales is, is a daytime job. But yes, we do often pour overnight inside LAX. There's less traffic, less traffic on the road, less uh, traffic on the runways. And it, it's, a, it's just a good time to get it done. Um, those are, those are rough days working a full eight to 10 hour day, 
um, you know, combo in the office and, and visiting customers, going home for a short time to nap or just rest, getting back up, going out overnight. And if that night spills into the morning, I don't have an opportunity to go home oftentimes because like you said, the phone's ringing and the emails are coming in and people are looking for you. And I think I've done 34, 35 hour stints before. Um, I've learned how far I can push myself <laughs> and I've learned when I need to step back. Um, those days are fun and exciting while you're in it, but they really wreak havoc on you later. And otherwise I'd say the stressful days are when things don't go as planned. Uh, when your concrete pour goes awry for one reason or another, when we're not providing exceptional service, when maybe there, there is an issue that happened during placement with the mix, the, maybe they ordered the wrong pump and it's not working. You know, you, you're, the pump is continually plugging. The mix isn't consolidating well. Those are, those are tough days. Uh, I don't, I don't like to disappoint people and I take those personally <laughs> mm -hmm. and, but being there again, to try to navigate that situation in real time and try to troubleshoot it and okay, what can we do? What can we do right now to figure this out? And then, you know, what change do we need to make so that the next hour and the next two hours and the next three hours go well? I had a placement a few months back that just went on so long and it was not going great. Um, and I, I literally found a spot in between two of those uh, job box toolboxes and I squatted down and I just was like on the verge of tears for a couple of minutes because I was at my limit. My phone was ringing left and right. My emails were coming in left and right. Um, you know, just like normal day, but then I'm also on this highly stressful floor and some days it's just too much. You have to walk away for a couple of minutes. You have to go take a break. You have to recenter yourself and come back. And um, I'm, I'm lucky that I can do that, that I'm not, you know, in the middle of building a deck or actually in the middle of, you know, concrete placement. A lot of the times those guys can't do that. They, they can't walk away. I'm fortunate that I can, but uh, I've, I've had to learn to, to walk away for a couple minutes to refresh myself. Yeah. You know, when I was, when we were first talking about having you on, I was like, when is she possibly <laughs> going to have time or, or like be, have rested enough to be aware enough. Yeah. You were, you, you were clearly like one job you were starting at like one fifteen in the morning. Yeah. yeah and I know was... that you worked your day job too. So yeah, that was like, like a firefighter schedule. Day doing the pavement at LAX, which yeah. we'll be going back into that probably later this month or next. So there'll, there'll be probably some more night, nighttime content coming up. Um, <laughs> but the night must, must be nice for the heat right now too, because it's yeah. crazy hot. Yeah. We have a, we have a couple of jobs that uh, they're starting at one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning uh, to get the placement done early. Um, some of it is very high strength. So that helps as well. Um, you know, last week, one of the deck pours that I was on really should have used, uh, probably should have used ice or chilled water in that one. And, uh, hmm. you know, just, we didn't plan ahead. 
you know, and, and that's a call for the contractor to make, but they're doing it under our advisement and our suggestions mm-hmm. as a ready mix provider. Hey, best practice when it's heat, when we're in a heat situation like this is probably to do this. So what do you think? And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad this heat wave broke over the weekend. Mm. We had Hurricane K coming up from the coast of Baja. And so that uh, gave us a little break in the weather and, and some rain for, for a day and a half or so. This week looks like cooler temperatures. So I think we might be, I think we might be out of it for a while. Thank goodness. You know, I don't deal with extreme heat. Yeah. I mean, a hot day here is in the 80s. So I don't do, and I don't I, deal with extreme cold. Mm-hmm. So all the, the concrete people who deal with extreme cold, I, I couldn't begin to, to talk about that with, with them. <laughs> so how do you deal with the, how do you deal with concrete setting up faster with the extreme heat? Uh, there's two ways that you can do it um, in terms of ready mix concrete. Uh, one is to, like I said, we can use ice. So you do a replacement, you take a certain amount of the water out of the mix and you replace it for ice. So you're, you're literally lowering the temperature of the mm-hmm. concrete, which will give mm-hmm. you more time to work with it and mm-hmm. set times. Um, cooling the material itself, if you can. Um, some of our batch plants, the material is on the ground, so it's being baked in the sun. Some of it, it's internal storage, but you still have heat being conducted through you know, the steel that, that's the steel structure that the material is being housed mm-hmm. in. Um, there's not a lot you can do do there. So we here for us specifically, we try and do it with ice. Um, secondly, would be putting a set delay admixture in. So you can actually retard the set of the concrete and put it to sleep essentially for half hour, hour, two hours. Um, a little science lesson. Mm. <laughs> so uh, I said earlier, there's four main components of concrete, cement, water, fine aggregate, coarse aggregate, or sand and gravel. When water and cement combine, it immediately starts a chemical process called the heat of hydration. That process, that chemical reaction um, generates heat and ultimately is what's causing the concrete to get hard and set. So if you can slow down that hydration process, you can slow that down by cooling the temperature of the concrete and you can slow it down by putting a set delay admixture in it or a retarder. People, different people call it both. It's the same thing. It's just the nomenclature for it. Um, but yeah, you can, you can basically put it to sleep, like we like to say. So it gives you an extra half hour, extra hour, extra two hours. So if you're talking about you have high ambient temperatures, with which means you probably also have your actual earth that you're pouring the concrete on, or if you're on a a deck, all the rebar, everything's being hit with all the sun, everything's hot. So you have a hot surface that you're pouring hot, let's just say hot concrete onto, and you have high ambient temperatures that it's just gonna pop. It's just gonna be, you're just talking heat just all this massive heat that's being conducted. And that's contributing to that hydration process and causing it to go faster and speed up. So to make sure that your surfaces are saturated, um, that they're not gonna immediately soak up all the water out of the concrete. 
and then you're not gonna be able to work with it. Uh, like I said, chilling the concrete, slowing it down. Those are some of the best practices that, that you can do and have plenty of people, you know, don't skimp. If you usually have 10 guys on placement, have 15 that day. <laughs> You know, let, let's not take a chance on letting it get away from you. Mm -hmm. And shade, if you can provide shade, but I mean, on a massive construction site, you're not gonna be able to provide shade for a 20,000 square foot, you know, slab. It's not gonna happen. Right. Yeah, we are all about accelerator here. Yeah, oh, I bet. <laughs> Acceler and, and blankets. Yes, accelerator and blankets. Yeah, absolutely, curing blankets. Uh, do you guys do like the hay on top of it too? Like the blankets and put hay? I haven't, I haven't done that. Um, I, I don't pour it very extremes. Mm -hmm. uh, once it's below freezing for me, I'm kind of done with it, but, yeah. but I do have friends that do it anytime. There's well, a lot of tent. Use, there's a lot of tenting going too. on for that. Yeah. Just like and, chill water, you can use hot water. Um, and then we, and then we, you know, after it's, after it's finished, they tuck it in, cover it mm -hmm. the blanket, and mm -hmm. let it be for a week. Yep. And I've definitely had some pours where, you know, it's green and, well, not green, but the leaves are yellow and mm -hmm. the blankets go on and the next picture in the, in the time lapse is it's a foot snow. of snow. Yeah. Wow. I can't even begin to imagine. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh. And, and I, like I said, I know guys that are doing it here all winter and especially we have a lot of military here. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's just as it comes. Yeah. That's, that's the fun thing about Instagram is I get to see, you know, how people are, are doing it on the other side of the country and in, you know, extreme temperatures and in mm -hmm. the middle of winter. And, um, I, I love seeing that and teach me, you know, tell me more. I'm curious. Um, there's one in Colorado that I, I follow and he just actually posted something this morning about a, a slab, a patch and showing what happens with the icers and how, you know, what that does to concrete. I'm just like, man, we just don't deal with that here. That is incredible. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely incredible to see it. You know, and I can really relate to what you were saying about getting the job done and, and how, if it doesn't get, if it doesn't work out, you take it personally. I do. It's, it's really hard to remain objective and, remove yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I just, yeah. And I, I have to, I have to take that not as a personal, a personal, you know, hit. Um, one thing that my dad, my mentor taught me a long time ago is to kind of flip the script on those days. It's not a bad day. It was an exciting day. It was an interesting <laughs> day. It was a challenging day. It was a frustrating day, um, but it was not a bad day. And what did you learn from it? And now that you, you've figured that out, what can you do next time? You know, what, what do you think you could do next time to have a better outcome, to avoid having that situation happen again? And so on those frustrating days, um, it's kind of sitting down later that evening or the next day and kind of thinking it through in my head or bouncing it off of someone else and saying, Hey, this happened. And, you know, I just want to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah. I, I, those days are very important for learning. And, and I, I'd say in my notebook that I write the lesson if I can, mm -hmm. 
So in a year I can be like, hmm, I, this smells like something that happened before. Yeah. I remember this. This yeah. happened on this job with these guys at this time. And all right, what happened that day? Okay. So proactively, we're going to go into this, doing it this way instead. Now, what's your what do you see as your future at this current company? You you gonna you think you'll be there till you retire or you it's, it's a great company. Um, you know, actually my family, you know. Uh, our family ready mix business has always bought cement from uh, Cal Portland while growing up. Mm. So I'm very familiar with the company and have been with a lot of people for a very long time. It's a great company to work for. Um, I don't know what my next step is. I at right now, the role of sales manager is, is currently filled, but it's also not one that looks exciting to me. Mm. Um, I think in terms of sales, you know, people look at it, you go, okay, you're a salesperson and you're a sales manager. And then where do you, what do you do next? You know, what's the next step? Um, I had an opportunity to talk a little bit with some of the, uh, my coworkers from the sustainability side this weekend and some from the marketing side. And I, the company is really moving heavily into sustainability. I think we have a good opportunity to expand our marketing at this point in time. So who really knows? Um, the door's wide open. I, I, I'm not really sure. I, I know that I don't want to be, you know, I personally don't want to be that gray haired person still doing sales. I'd like to be doing something else at that point in time. But right now I enjoy what I do. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, even on the stressful days, even on the tiring days, I, I still enjoy it. So for now, I'd like to keep doing what I'm doing the way that I'm doing it. Um, you know, I did have the opportunity to sit down with someone to and talk about another opportunity outside the company and just didn't excite me mm. it's it, it'd be it's a great opportunity for someone it's just not for me right now mm -hmm. um and so yeah looking ahead who knows five years from now life could be totally different um life's changed a lot for all of us in the last couple of years and so i think for right now i'm i'm pretty content and i'll just keep uh, trying to being better at what I'm doing. And I'm sure your company really appreciates you and they know that they'd be a loss without you. I hope they do. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Um, well, from where I'm sitting, it looks like they should know, but um, it's good. I like the idea of just remaining open to what happens mm -hmm. and, and enjoying what you're doing and, because if you're working hard and, and and enjoying it and and doing a great job, the opportunities are just going to present themselves. I right? hope so. Yeah. So I got it. This is a random new question. I'm kind of going to be asking people because I get asked a lot by young tradespeople about taking side jobs, mm -hmm. and I did a lot of side work just because I was young and I could work yeah. endlessly. But, you know, some, some of these folks are doing it because they absolutely aren't making enough money working the 40 hours they're working. Right. And, and I just wonder, you know, should tradies need to have a side hustle to make ends meet? It's one thing. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't take side jobs. 
Yeah. If you want money, you got time, go for mm -hmm. it. But should they have to? Shouldn't they should be they making enough to? money? No. Shouldn't they have to? No. Um, that's really a loaded question too, because you're you're talking about like I look for at for instance someone here in LA. And our market area is very specifically is, is LA, LA proper, Los Angeles, Los Angeles metropolitan, Los Angeles basin, um, the West side, we tend to do deliver a lot of concrete and a lot of high dollar areas. So if you're trying to talk about, you want employees who are close to your place of business, who don't have to commute very far, the cost of housing and the cost of living in the areas that we serve could never be afforded by me, could never be afforded by a mixer driver, could never be afforded by someone working quality control for our company. If that is what you aspire to, then yes, you are going to need a side hustle. You're gonna to need to do side jobs. You're gonna to need to, to figure out some kind of side hustle, whatever it is. Um, I think about others who are maybe more inland from where we are, they're able to live and work in the same area and it's more affordable for them, you know, 60 miles inland than from where we are. Um, they shouldn't have to have a side hustle to, to live and to survive. Trades are very skilled. Um, like I said before, I can't finish concrete. It takes a special person to be able to do that. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, you should be paid your worth. Absolutely. I think we're at a point right now too, with the shortage of labor overall, shortage of people overall, we're finally seeing a lot of people demand their worth and stepping up and saying, Hey, I won't do that job for that cheap. But if we do go into recession, then you are going to see people chopping their price to make sure they're the one who gets the work. And I think it's important to be very cognizant of that because once you chop your prices down, it's very difficult to get them back up. Mm. We are currently in our market looking at pricing right now with the material supply um, shortages that we've had over the last couple of months and the increase in material costs. We're looking right now at concrete prices that I haven't seen for almost... 17 ish years. Um, yeah, about since the, since the mid aughts, when we had cement shortages and we were bringing cement over from China was being barged in and supply and demand causes, caused pricing to go way up in the, you know, in the mid aughts, then you had the crash in the late aughts, pricing went down into the toilet, stayed there for how many years? And it's taken 15 years for pricing to come back up to where it was at that point in time. So I think it's really important for a lot of people, whether it's uh, material, whether it's their actual, um, you know, their, your trade and your hourly rate, be cognizant of that. I know you want work and you're hungry for work, but chopping your price down to beat the other guy continually brings it down. It brings the whole market down. It brings everything down because everybody's competing for that piece. And so if you start here, this guy comes in and chops it and you say, okay, I'll match it. The next time somebody's gonna expect you to do it at that rate, that lowered rate. Um, 
I, I think you just got to be aware of that and cognizant of that. Know your worth. What does it take for you to do the job? Um, and don't, don't settle for less. It's okay to take a loss on this one because you might get the next one for, for higher, but it's being able to prove yourself and prove it, prove it in your marketing, prove it in your craftsmanship. Um, you're there, you show up when you say you're gonna show up, you do the job that you committed to do in the way that you committed to do it. And I, I don't think there will be a need for side hustles. I don't think there will be a need for, for side jobs, but it is always in part important to have, I guess, to have a, a safety net and a fallback. Make a and name for yourself individually. Mm. And the next question is, Pretty obvious answer. It's kind of rhetorical, but why do skilled trades matter? <laughs> I think I just answered that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why do skilled trades matter? Because without skilled trades, I think Naya said it best. If you don't have skilled trades, nothing gets built, nothing gets done. Who's, if your plumbing takes a crap, pun intended. Do you know how to fix it? I don't even know how plumbing works. <laughs> you know, like, and even this this weekend being here with some of our sustainability managers, we had uh, one of the things we had is we had a bicycle, a kid's bike for them to get on. And we had it set up so that as they pedaled, it generated enough power to turn on these uh, LED string lights. And so for the kids to actually see they are powering the lights by, by riding this bike. Um, things like that with electricity, like what's gonna happen when your electrical grid goes down? How, you know, we see it here in LA, how you get that back up. Why, why do skilled trades matter? Because they need to build a better power grid for us so that yeah. we can run all our devices and so that we can do all the things we need to do. We have hospitals for people when they're sick. We have schools for children to learn in. And we have military bases to, to, keep, our, to keep us safe. Uh, there's, it's just endless. Skilled trades is so important. Somebody's got to keep the lights on. Yes. Literally. Mm. <laughs> and you need uh, what, concrete to build all these things. You hmm. do. You do. But you also need, I mean, you want to go deeper. You also need mining. And mining gets a bad rap right now. Mining gets such a bad rap, but where do you think those lithium components for your cell phone came from? It all, it all matters to build us a bigger, better world, more functional. What do you value most? What do I value most mm -hmm. in terms of what? Life. Anything. The opportunity to keep growing and learning. Every, every day is a gift. I lost my dad very suddenly in early 2020. And, you know, since then it's changed. Things have changed. You know, every, every day is a gift. Every day is a gift. Every day is an opportunity to learn. Every day is an opportunity to grow. Um, you know, life expectancy continues to be longer. So, you know, people that we thought were old in their forties are just hitting their stride. Um, you know, you think you're grown up at 25, there's a lot of growing up that happens for the next 15 years. You hit a certain point, there's a lot more growing up and there's, there's a lot more maturing to do. Um, so I think the opportunity to learn and grow on a regular basis. 
Who was your mentor? Well, my mentor was my dad and a coworker of mine who worked in California and is now in uh, Arizona. He's someone that I can call at any point in time and just bounce something, something off yeah. of and talk to him. Um, I don't have a official mentor, even an unofficial at the moment. Um, kind of fine, kind of flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> I do have a female VPGM, um, which is fantastic to see, you know, a woman in a, in a power role like that. Um, and there are a lot of things that, that I kind of look to her, you know, certain traits that she has certain ways that she approaches business that I pick up little nuggets from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way it is as you get further in your career you're you're just kind of picking up nuggets yeah you can get something from anyone doesn't anyone. matter how old they are anyone yeah your your mentor doesn't have to be older than you your mentor yeah. can, can be younger than you and it doesn't have to be this formal relationship either um but yeah there, there's something about them that that you aspire to to be or emulate or to to learn from so you know um in the show i always ask people their favorite tools we're gonna do this okay uh i'm but first i'm gonna guess yours i'm gonna guess yours is your tablet yeah i would say my where's my the where's my concrete app Mm. that's that's my favorite tool okay This very, very specifically the where's my concrete app is my favorite tool. Okay. Uh, you can track your, track your order in progress, provide real-time feedback, uh, which is oh. very important. So I, that, or I'd say my phone because yeah, I can do most of what I need to do on my phone. Where's my concrete app that I can't even imagine if we had that here. I don't, oh, I mean, so I'm great. sure the app's available, but I don't, know, I don't think I yeah, provide it. So I love it. You can see real time, real time data, real time, real time GPS tracking. Um, Yeah. Provide that customer feedback. You know, they don't have to call dispatch and say, what load did you just load? How far am I? No, they're constantly doing takeoffs, you know, throughout the pour and checking yield and okay, I've done 13 loads and I've got another, you know, 20 to go. I'm at, you know, am I at the right point? And being able to not have to pick up the phone and call dispatch and, you know, be on hold maybe potentially or wait for someone, they can open up the app, click it open and go, okay, well, I just have load 13 here on site. It shows that, um, you know, 20 is already on the way and they can then call and make those adjustments with the office and yeah. And analytics afterwards. So uh, Ooh, yeah. analytics. Ooh, I love the analytics, you know. <laughs> hey, we requested yeah. 90 yards an hour and uh you know that that's that's not how it went. Okay, well, here's the analytics. Let, let's look how we both did. Let's look how we did on shipping it, let's look how you did on unloading it. And then now we can look at it for next time. We go, okay, we know this is how it went this time. So how's it gonna go next time? Mm-hmm. Very Helps cool. Scheduling, yeah. What's the most useful tool? Might be this. Concrete app. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Where where's the where have you been on what is the where have you been on my life tool? The where's my concrete app? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, for me, that's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. 
that totally but, uh, make that makes sense. I want this app. I want I want it just oh, to have. I love it. I love it. Every every <laughs> material supplier should have something like it. Mm. <laughs> should have it or something like it. I just did a commercial for them. I you know what I did yeah. that before too though when uh, working for my dad and he had a GPS truck tracking system and I remember we went to World of Concrete one year and we went to their booth this tracking app system and. They actually brought up our trucks and our map, our dispatch map that day while we were in the booth and mm. somebody came up and was kind of like looking and, you know, us. and I ended up talking to him. I pretty much sold him a system on the spot. <laughs> and did you work for the company? <laughs> but I those love cus- it. Those client reviews are where it's at. I love it. It's the best. Yeah. What are the best job site snacks? The best job site snacks? For me personally or for the crew or for the place and finish crew? Both. So I joke that my my safety vest is like a Mary Poppins bag because I always have something in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I usually have electrolyte packets, um, sometimes packets for like clean energy drinks. Uh, I usually have um, like fruit and nut bars in my pockets. Um my lunch bag, I guess, on a regular basis on a job site day, I put in, I just put in a lot of snacks because I don't like to do the big heavy meals. Um, it's problematic for me as a female, cause there's usually not a clean restroom. Um, mm. so I tend to not eat a lot on job site days. I just snack throughout the day, protein bars, fruit, nut bars. Um, I try to eat as clean as possible, minimally, minimally processed ingredients. So things that I'm going to have in my bag are different than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the crew, though, like you said, on those days when it's early mornings, um, for the driver, sometimes I'll do a big old honking breakfast burritos, carne asada breakfast burritos from Milo Burger mm. uh, in Inglewood or the bomb. Um, do that for the crew when I can too. If it's a big placement day, um, I have one this Friday where they're going to top out do the last deck. So I'll provide food for them towards the end of that for, um, handheld food. When you're working with concrete, you don't have time to sit down and eat with a fork. Right. Um, it's something handheld. Right. It's go time. It's, it's just go, go, time, yeah, also. go time. Yeah. I'd say, what? I'd say for me, the number one is like fruit and nut bars probably and electrolyte packets what are the best job site jams the sound of a concrete boom pump running wide open (laughs) 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 i love that sound (laughs) it's the best it's literally music. Um, I hear concrete backup alarms in my sleep. I know that sound from a mile away of them raising the booster axle, what that bell sounds like. Um, to me, those are the best job site, job site jams because it means that uh, we're rocking and rolling and we're doing what we need to do to make it happen. So to me, the best soundtrack is concrete pump running wide open and hearing concrete trucks backing up, raising the booster axles. I like it. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone you want to give a shout out to today? Naya, my girl, Naya. <laughs> girl with power tools, uh, Christina at the Shingle Lady, and my crew, crew collab as a whole. Um, yeah. 
I loved your episode with Naya a couple of weeks ago. It was great. Thanks. Yeah, it was fun. To, it was fun to sit down and talk to Naya finally. She's so fun. You know, we live <clears> so <throat> close and we've only had the opportunity to spend time in person twice. But yeah. So what happens when you're when you're working hard? So do you think that do you think that people out there should give this podcast a rating? A Absolutely they should. Yes. The contracting handbook, it's it's great. Uh, some of your episodes are, are a little shorter. So you're soaking up a lot of knowledge in a short period of time. And others of them, you got people like me who come on here and are long-winded and <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have creatives like like Naya who who come on. And I think it's I think it's great that you're talking to people from all different aspects of construction. Um, you're hitting the trades from all all different approaches. So yes, absolutely. Wherever you listen to your podcast, whether iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, get on there and give Mike a rating. Well, thanks so much for that. Yeah, I, I really am enjoying talking to people from everywhere and all trades. Awesome. Um, as a general, I, you know, I really admire my, mm -hmm. my trades mm -hmm. that, that make it happen for me. You know, I always like to say I can do anything, but behind that statement, is a small army of people with mad skills. Absolutely, I agree. So, yeah. anyone out there, um, you can check out Janine Oliver at Concrete Diva if you're on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, just listen to this pod again. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm on Instagram as uh, at Concrete underscore Diva. Um, that's mainly where I produce my social content. Um, I am on Snapchat. I am on TikTok, but honestly, I really only make time for Instagram. And you'll, will you be sticking with the crew collab for a while? I, I believe so. Yeah. Um, my term as board president will be up in March and we are planning on being at uh, con expo in full force. Um, there's even a possibility I may be speaking on a panel at Con Expo. So if you want to meet the crew, well, you can literally do that in person in March. But uh, even when I step down from my uh, position as president, it's uh, such a great, I just, I just think we have such a big opportunity there. And it's an organization that's still very young and we're still, still growing and still shaping it. So there's a lot of opportunity there to figure out how we can best serve the construction industry as a whole. And for you guys out there listening, that you can check out at the crew collaboration on Instagram too, mm -hmm. um, and participate. Just see what's going on because yeah. the labor crisis is not going away. And no, it's not. I mean, everybody it's not. needs to get involved. Yes, and you don't have to be a, a craftsman or a laborer to be involved. Um, you need people who are willing to participate on uh, basically panels just like this. We do a lot of virtual. Um, classroom talks. So you could sign up to be on the classroom talks as a presenter. Um, you can go, our handle is at the.crew.collab, C-O-L-L-A-B on Instagram. And you can reach out to, to us in the DMs and someone from the marketing committee will get you in touch with people from classroom talks. Well, Janine, thanks so much for being here. I'm sure you've got messages piling up. Probably need to do, I probably do. I put it, thank yeah. God I put it on silent. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for having me. Thank you yeah. for having the patience uh, in, in waiting for me to have a pocket of time where I felt 
comfortable to do so. So I appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you for your time. Thank you. It's the best. It's literally music.